As we find ourselves at the beginning of 2022, I want to invite you to turn to the beginning of your copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, this morning we are going to embark on a study through this important book, and as we do that, we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1, looking at the creation story. And as we do that, I don't know if you have uh, heard the story of A guy who decided one day that he thought he could do exactly what God did in Genesis chapter 1. And he said, I've got this covered. You don't need to be here anymore. I can create just like you did. And God said, all right, let's give that a shot. And the guy reached down to grab some dirt. And God said, get your own dirt. humor to start us off. want to loosen you up a little bit as we get ready to walk through the text this morning. And here's the thing that I want us as we walk through Genesis chapter 1 to take into consideration, to think through, if Genesis chapter 1 is true, and as a pastor, as a preacher, teacher of God's Word, I beyond a shadow of a doubt, believe that God's word is true. If this is true, it changes everything about our lives. Because if it's not true, if everything that exists just happened by random chance of molecules floating in space, if it all happened because of that, then we have no one to answer to. We have no one who desires a relationship with us. We just live and die, and it's nothing. But if God's word is true, and I believe it is, then we have a creator who made everything that exists and desires to have a relationship with us. Church, that changes everything. So this morning... As we begin this journey through the book of Genesis, focusing in on chapter 1, I want you to take note as we walk through reading the text and then verse by verse look at it together and then apply it to our lives. I want to ask you to simply sit back for a moment and imagine the wonder and the amazement of what it must have been like for this to take place. Imagine what it must be like to have a God who is capable of this. Because for you and for me, this as a follower of Jesus is the God we worship. Genesis chapter one, beginning in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. 
And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit and which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth. 
Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see you would open our ears that we would be able to hear and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit we ask all of this in Jesus name and everyone said amen as we walk through the text this morning I want us to do it in such a way that we're just going to follow the narrative the story that's going on and Then at the end, I want us to walk back through it together and look at some truths that we see in the text and then ask the question, how does that affect us? How does that apply to our lives? How do we respond in light of what the scriptures teach us here about who God is and what he's done? How are we to respond to a God like that? If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this main idea. If you remember nothing else this morning, I want you to remember this, that the creation story invites us to do two things. One, to simply gasp in wonder at what God has done. To just simply sit back for a bit in amazement and say, wow. But that should lead us to falling on our knees and worshiping Him. It's not just enough to sit back and say, wow, but for us, It should cause us to fall on our knees and to worship a God who can accomplish what we see here in Genesis chapter 1. So with that as the framework for what we're going to do over the next few minutes together, I want us to walk through these days of creation. And so if you will humor me for just a bit, channel with me your inner Bob Ross Imagine with me for just a moment a painter as the painter is beginning the process of painting a masterpiece. That painter takes the time to prepare a canvas and to set that canvas on an easel and to prepare the paints to begin the process of painting this masterpiece that the painter is going to paint. And then the very first thing that the painter does is not focus on the details of the painting, but simply paints the background, lays the base down, forms that first, and then takes the painstaking process of going in and filling that background with trees and mountains and whatever else is in the painting. So with that as the framework of what God is doing here in Genesis chapter 1, I want you to notice that in the first two verses, we see God lay out the aspects of creation preparing for this masterpiece to begin. In fact, kind of imagine that the The canvas has been placed on the easel. The paints are ready to begin this masterpiece. Notice verses 1 and 2. The scripture says, in the beginning, God. 
in the beginning, God. Which means that God has no beginning. God is eternal. He's always existed and He will always exist. There was never a moment that He was not in existence and there will never be a moment that He is not in existence. He is eternal. And in the beginning, the beginning that we know, God was there. This God that is described here is the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is laid out for us throughout the Scriptures. And we're going to even see it here, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit at work in this creation, especially when it comes to creating mankind. And the deliberation among the triune God is let us create man in our image after our likeness. That in the beginning, God. And God didn't need to create. It's not as if God got lonely and decided, hmm, I think I need to create something. God was in perfect harmony, in community, in the Trinity, not needing us, but chose to create. And in that, what we find out as we read through the scriptures, we journey to the last book of the Bible, we realize that not only was God always there and always existing, but before creation took place, before any of this happened, God's plan and forethought was that His Son, Jesus Christ, would come to this earth. The Scripture says that Jesus is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before any of what we're about to read, God's plan was the plan of redemption. His plan was to save sinners who were far from Him, to have a relationship with them. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Verse 2 tells us darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I, I don't know if you like to watch movies or not, but this is a moment, if this was playing out in movie form, that music would begin to reach its crescendo. It is, in fact, the aspect of this story where you're sitting on the edge of your seat, you're wondering, what's going to happen? It's like you're watching a master painter as he's set up his canvas and as he's prepared his paints, and you're wondering, what, what's he going to paint? What's he going to look like? How is he going to begin this process? And we begin in verse 3, seeing exactly how God does this. I want you to notice that there is a formula that's laid out for us in Genesis chapter 1 of the days of creation. And so if you're taking notes, just kind of create a little bit of space in your handout or space in your mind and realize that the first three days of creation, day one, day two, and day three, we see God forming space. And then in day four, five, and six, God is filling this space that he's formed. 
So as we talked about that painter, imagine that the background in days one, two, and three, God is painting that background. And then day four, five, and six, God is placing the details in this painting, this masterpiece of creation that he is putting together. And so on day one, verse three through verse five, this is what takes place. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God simply speaks and it happens. Let there be light. God saw in verse 4 that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning Day one. Now you got to be asking yourself the question because when you fast forward to day four and God fills this form that he has created in day one, he's going to create the sun and the moon. So where did this light come from? It came from no one else but himself. Scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. God creates and says, let there be light. Day two, verses six through verse eight, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. In verse eight, God called this expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning on the second day. So first God says, let there be light. Then God says, let there be gathered waters, body of waters, and let there be a heaven, a sky. Let that be there, this background that he will fill on day five. And then we fast forward to verse 9 and through verse 13 on day 3 God said let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good notice verse 11 then God said let the earth this earth that has been formed sprout forth vegetation plants that are yielding seed fruit trees that are bearing fruit each according to its kind on the earth and it was so the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, trees bearing fruit, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God in this masterpiece of creation, much like the painter, sets forth the background. I don't know about you, but days one through three, I mean, I'm just sitting back going, wow. But notice what God does as he moves forward in this grand act of creation, beginning in verse 14. Day four, God said, 
Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Remember on day one, God had said, let there be light. Now God is about to create the sources of light outside of himself. Let these lights separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light, the sun to rule the day, the lesser light, the moon to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, there was morning on the fourth day. And then we step in to day five. Day one, God said, let there be light. Day four, God created the sun and the moon and set them in creation. Day two, what we saw God create was the waters and separating the waters and creating the sky. And here in day five, we're going to see God fill the sky and fill the waters with creatures. We look at verse 20, God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. And just think about that for a moment. Fish, whales, stingrays, blowfish, shrimp. Just God speaks and they swarm in the waters. And not only that, he says, let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. The mockingjay, the redbird, the pterodactyl birds that try to attack me when I'm running. You know what I'm talking about. The ribeye of the sky, someone's told me. They're protected. Don't do that, all right? But God creates the living creatures that are in the water, the living creatures that are in the sky. In verse 21, I love this. God created the great sea creatures. Where's the Loch Ness Monster in Scripture? Right there, verse 21. Every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Notice verse 22, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. On the fifth day, God fills this creation space that he's created with these creatures. And then in verse 24, day six, God is going to fill the earth with creatures as well. The beast of the field, God is going to fill the earth with livestock, with creeping things, and then his crowning creation, mankind. God said in verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, Livestock and creeping things 
and beast of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. Just imagine the lion and the tiger and the bear. Oh my, come on, y'all. And then the ants and the beetles and the snakes. And all of these things, God simply speaks and they leap into existence and fill the space, the earth that he's created. And then in verse 26, we see something change. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. If you notice, God has not said that about any other creation that he has made. There is no other creation that is made in the very image of God with the exception of mankind. You and I are specially created by God bearing the image of God in our lives. Which means, why is every single person valuable in God's sight? Because they are made in the image of God. It does not matter what race you are. It does not matter what ethnicity you are. It does not matter your socioeconomic standing before God. He looks at every single person he's created and says, that is the image of us. Not only did he create mankind in verse 26, but then notice what he follows that up with. And let them have dominion or oversight or stewardship over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So not only did God specially create mankind in such a way that we bear his image, but it is mankind that was given, entrusted with the responsibility, the stewardship to manage all that God has created. In fact, we'll see in chapter two, God bringing the animals to Adam and saying, all right, Adam, let's name these. I mean, where do you get aardvark from, right? But Adam names all the creation. Adam has responsibility to manage, to oversee, to take care of on God's behalf as his vice regents on this planet, all that God has created. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So not only were we created in the very image of God, not only did God give us the responsibility of stewarding all of his creation, but he also gives to mankind here this calling and responsibility, opportunity, blessing to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth with worshipers of God. And we see that God closes out in verse 31, this final sixth day 
and says, it was very good. There was evening, there was morning on the sixth day. Now, in light of that, what should we walk away from this passage of Scripture doing? As I said at the beginning, for us, my hope is that we would walk away filled with wonder, filled with awe at the majesty of a God who is able to create that. And not only that, that we would fall on our knees and we would worship Him. And so, for just a brief moment, let's walk through three truths for us that we see here in the text as we consider the creation story. I want you to take note first that God created in power. God created in power. And he did that by simply speaking. Verse 3, God said, let there be light. Verse 6, God said, let there be an expanse. Verse 9, God said, let the waters be gathered together. Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Verse 20, God said, let the waters swarm. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. Think about this for just a moment. How did God create? He simply spoke. And all of creation jumped into existence. With his very word, matter is created, matter is formed, matter is spread throughout the known universe, and there's so much more that we don't even know. Even with all of our scientific discovery at this point, there's more there than we can ever imagine. How did it get there? Not by random chance, not by a big bane. God spoke, and it appeared. If that's true, and Genesis 1 says that it is, then for you and for me, it should cause us to take a step back for just a moment and to say, wow. Wow at a God who could do that. But we're not just left there. It should also drive us to our knees in worship of a God who could do that. This God simply speaks and creation leaps into existence. We should worship Him. We should give our lives to Him. He is deserving of every aspect of our lives and our worship. Not only did God create in power, but secondly, I want you to notice God created with precision. God didn't do any of this by accident. Science has progressed to the point that they can tell us some things about what's going on in creation around us. And what they've been able to find out is that this is so much more intricately put together than we could ever imagine. I mean, think with me for just a moment that if 
the sun were just a little bit closer to the earth, we'd all burn up. If the sun was just a little bit further away from the earth, we'd all freeze to death. If the earth wasn't spinning at the rate that it's spinning on its axis at the right angle, then we would float into the space. And then think about for just a second, just your body. How all of your body works together to do what you do. I mean, that you have joints and ligaments and muscles and tissue and bone that works together in such a way. I know some of you are saying, I'm a little older. It doesn't do what it used to do. I understand. Not as good as you once were, but you're as good once as you ever were, right? But for you and for me, we have a body that was intricately put together by the Lord, fashioned by Him with veins running the way that they do, with an eye that was created in such an intricate fashion put together so that you are able to see light and it reflects on the lens and your cornea. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff just wrapped up in our physical bodies. God spoke all of that into existence with precision, not by accident, not by chance, but put it together, and the scripture tells us, holds it together. That God deserves for us to sit back for just a moment and to say, wow. And then to fall on our knees and to worship him. God created in power. God created with precision. But here's the final truth this morning. God created for a purpose. God created for a purpose. What is the purpose of creation? Well, Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the creation that God has made, God's intent for that creation is to simply be a flashing billboard that constantly says God is magnificent, God is great, God is majestic, God is worthy of worship. In fact, Jesus said that if people don't worship, the very rocks on the ground will cry out in worship because God is deserving of our worship. But notice, creation proclaims the glory of God, but you and I created in God's image. God created us for a purpose, and that is to have an intimate relationship with Him. God desires to walk with us. God desires to commune with us. God desires to have a relationship with us. And we were created in such a way that we will only find our ultimate and true fulfillment in this life in a relationship with our Creator. And here is the good news. That is possible through Jesus Christ our Savior. We're going to find out in Genesis chapter 3 that all of this beautiful creation that God pronounces at the very end is very good goes awry pretty quickly. 
Adam and Eve choose instead of obeying God and walking in a relationship with him to reject God and to go their own way. And as a result of that, sin enters the world and sin affects and infects every single one of us. But before any of this creation leapt into existence at God's very word, his word, the son of God, Jesus Christ, God's plan and purpose was to save us from our sin, to bring us back into relationship with Him. So for you and for me, we can enjoy what God intends for us in a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. When you take note of the purpose for which God created this world and you and me, it should cause us to step back for a moment and to say, wow. But ultimately, to fall to our knees and to worship Him. I want to ask you, if you would, to bow your heads and to close your eyes with me as our worship team makes their way back up. As we have an opportunity to respond to God's word to his spirit this morning. Maybe you've come in today and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. As we talk about creation today, as we talk about the desire for God to have a relationship with you, that is only possible if your sins are forgiven. And God didn't leave that to chance either. He sent his son to this earth to live a sinless and perfect life, to take your sin and my sin upon himself on the cross, to pay for our sins in his sacrificial death. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, securing salvation for you And for me, if you've never taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the step that you need to take today. To fall on your knees and to worship God today. To have your sins forgiven. To be brought into His family. Adopted as a son or daughter of Him. If you'd like to take that step, we'd love to help you. You can respond here in just a little bit as we sing. If you want to come down and grab myself or Pastor Aaron and just say, I need to take that step of trusting Jesus as my Savior. You can do that where you stand in just a bit as we sing. To simply admit that you're a sinner, to believe that Jesus Christ made it possible for you to have your sins forgiven, to confess that he is Lord. You can receive him today as your savior. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, I hope that you enter this 2022 year with a sense of awe and amazement, wonder at how great God is, but that it would lead you to your knees to worship him 
because he deserves our worship. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts through your spirit. That if there's one here that doesn't know Jesus as their savior, you would take this moment to change their life. Give them the courage to respond to you today, to receive that gift of salvation. Father, for the believers gathered here, would you once again grant us a sense of awe and amazement at who you are and drive us to our knees as we worship you today because you deserve our worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and to sing as we close out our service this morning. You respond to the Lord as he leads.